Let's forget the past. You had a long day? Tough. That was yesterday. Now you're listening to Is It Really? And Is It Really? is undefeated. Quack. 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 <laughs> that was great, guys. We're good at that. Woohoo! Really, the podcast that challenges popular opinions about movies. I'm Brandon Sharp. I'm Zach Smith Michaels. And I'm Mitch Dupree. And today, the ducks are flying together because we're discussing the Mighty Ducks franchise and asking, why do we remember the ducks? I want you guys to call me Coach Zach throughout this podcast, please. I will not. You haven't earned it. Zach, why don't you give us a little rundown of the plot? As a child, Gordon Bombay lost a championship hockey game and his father in the same year. Now a vain lawyer, Bombay fills his free time by being a jerk and drinking behind the wheel. This eventually lands him with a reckless endangerment charge, but Bombay's law firm cuts him a break. Gordon is taking a leave of absence and participating in community service. What is this community service? Coaching the worst hockey team ever. District 5. He heads into the dangerous streets of Minneapolis, Minnesota and finds his ragtag team. Bombay informs the team that he hates them and their sport. However, after losing a game to his former coach, who taught Gordon that it's not worth winning if you can't win big, Bombay decides to teach his players how to cheat. How bad are these kids at hockey? They can't even win when they cheat! Stupid cake-eater tricks! One child's integrity, Charlie Conway, confounds the monstrous Bombay. After a twilight-lit meeting with Hans, his former mentor, Bombay remembers that winning isn't everything and that these children should be having fun. The, che- the team changes their names to the Ducks and eventually win the big game. Thank you, Zach. That was excellent. Let's take a minute and discuss uh, some other films that are cut from the same cloth as The Mighty Ducks. You guys have any thoughts on that? With the exception of MVP, Most Valuable Primate, I've not seen any of these other kids' uh, sports film. I was a pretty big animation kid, so live action I wasn't as interested in. I liked my, uh, you know, my Aladdins and my Lion Kings. But Mighty Ducks was the rare exception. So aside from uh, Most Valuable Primate and its sequel, Most Vertical Primate, where he skateboards, I have no uh, <laughs> thing to compare the Mighty Ducks to. Well, that's a whole different subgenre to um, like animal sports movies. Right. And it's, it's become its own thing because Air Bud was so wildly successful. Right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I forgot about the third one. MXP, Most Extreme Primate, where he snowboards. It's like the same thing as skating. That's a lazy remake. (laughs) Animation's an easy sell for for kids, I feel like, at least from from these major studios like Disney, where, like, the live action is a little bit of a tougher thing to get a child interested in. I feel like these movies were precursors to movies like Remember the Titans, Miracle, Take Your Pick. They graduated from, like, the elementary, middle school to, like, high school, college age. Hmm. Um, with their with their sports movies because they they still crank out a feel good sports movie you know every year or every other year. Um, other Disney kids sports movies you've got uh, well not Disney but you got Rookie of the Year, does Sandlot, the Newsies, does Newsies, the Newsies does not count. count. It? <laughs> Though it should because the way those kids dance it is more yeah. athletic than what. <laughs> Carp is doing on the ice <laughs> by far, <laughs> or, or Goldberg, Goldberg who yeah. just sits there. 
Yeah. I bet if that puck was a cheeseburger, you'd stop it. I read I read a great quote online this week. It was like, Julie the cat is made out of pure main toughness, while Goldberg is made out of pancakes. <laughs> my favorite movie like this has got to be Sandlot for one reason. My sport is baseball. So all of the feels that someone like Zach gets from the Mighty Ducks... I get from the Sandlot. Sandlot's more focused on like making friends. Mighty Ducks is not really about a kids. It's not a kids movie. It's about Bombay. And another thing that I noticed too is um, Sandlot, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, a narrative. It's narrated, and it's the um, it's like one of the kids talking as an adult and Smalls. reflecting. It's the Shawshank Redemption of kids movies. Yes. Right. Whereas Mighty Ducks mm. is is not that. No, Mighty Ducks is uh, banana slips and uh, sound effects. Well, we're, yeah. we're living, we're living the Mighty Ducks, right? And also, it's like, it's not you a know. story being told. What is right. that? And, oh, okay. Well, a lot of like kids sports movies, it's always someone like, "I was 13 years old when I first picked up a baseball bat," or like in Soccer Dog, when the guy's like, "I was playing soccer with a dog when I was a kid," and <laughs> Mighty Ducks is a uh, is. Literally, the opening shot is is Gordon Bombay losing that game. It's the most intense scene ever, and that's and that the score music? is incredible. Yes, you're gonna regret this for the rest of your life. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> um, hey guys, I I did just want to let you know, um, I'm Zach Smith Michaels from uh, Hawthorne, New Jersey. Are you yeah. doing a thing? I'm doing the what bit was... from D2 where they all say their name and where they're from. Oh, and that gives um, them the, the strength to go to go on. Well, I mean, they do it in Miracle too, but in Miracle it's set up, right? It's like, uh, there's a culture clash, Boston, Minnesota. I'm from Boston. I'm from Minnesota. Uh, so it makes but sense. But then in the end they go, we play for Team USA. Yeah, and... and it's barely brought up in the Mighty Ducks that they're from different places. Yeah, it's much more powerful in Miracle, yeah. I think. If you've seen Miracle, you notice that there uh, is a very similar scene in D2 as there is in Miracle where the coach is having his team do sprints. Mm. And the Herb Brooks scene is, is kind of emphasized by him continuously saying, again, again, Herb on Firm Foundation, his kids... Uh, did not have their head in the game. And I'll I'll just interject. They're not kids. They're adults. <laughs> They're grown men. And I think you're right, which is why my next point was that uh, Bombay is completely off base here. He's the one who's got who's got stars in his eyes. He's got a little taste of the good life again, the money, the fame. You know, he's he's loving it out in L. A. His place in Malibu. And his kids um, lose the game against Iceland, which they weren't prepared for. He did not prepare them for that. The Iceland coach did all his homework. Gordon, nothing. Also, they lost 12-1, to and Bombay's like, okay, let, let's go do laps. Let's go work. And Charlie's like, this isn't very much fun, coach. Well, like, yeah, Charlie... We just lost twelve to one. We need to clearly let's pre- let's practice. In the first one, when they start coming back, uh, and they they start like winning, 
he yells, more fun, more fun. And I wrote down, yeah, it's easy to have fun when you're winning. That's exactly right. There's no uh, sense of discipline at any other point. It's just like, hey, we're doing well, so we're having lots of fun. You scored 198 goals in that season, Gordon. It's a shame you quit. You've... Could have gone all the way, you know. No. You really love to play. You remember? You remember? I used to play on the ponds at Left Dark until your father called you back. But you really flew on that ice, Scott. It's all I ever wanted to do. And why did you stop? Riley. I saw what he did to you. Riley is an idiot. The guy wins. It's not about winning, Gordon. It never was. Just show them how to play. Show them how to have fun. Teach them to fly. Okay, so what happens in that scene? He goes on to remind, basically remind Gordon of of the reasons he loved hockey, the reasons he loved to play, and just how all he wanted to do was stay out on the pond and skate and skate and skate. And basically he says, take those things and apply them to these kids. Teach them those things that you loved so much. That's uh-huh. what they're going to remember when they right. grow up. Not how many games they won, but how much fun they had. That's a great lesson. The skates that he presents Gordon with are kind of the cherry on top. Like, mm-hmm. the things I'm telling you can only take you so far, you need to remember. Right. And wear he hands in the skates. And wear thick socks, Gordon. And we get the we get that masterful skating montage there are going to be people who beat your passions out of you Mm. uh who tell you like success is all that's important uh right and i think the central theme in the yan han scene uh with bombay is uh this tension between like fun and success right like enjoying something and doing it for the passion of it uh and uh achievement Mm -hmm. Uh, he's clearly pushed hockey from his memory he's He's blocked that time in his life out. He hates maybe, it. Maybe it's too painful. Maybe yeah. it's hard to think about. He hasn't been to see Han in years, clearly, because when he sees him at the rink for the first time, he's uh, caught off guard. I I hate hockey and I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that speech happens three times. If he had not got arrested, if he had not been sentenced to community service, he never would have met Charlie, the team, and he never would have rediscovered this love from his childhood and put his life on the right path. I do love how um, how Hans uh, disarms Bombay with the um, pretending that he cut himself because it mm. reverts Bombay back to being a kid again. And so it's it's almost Hans going like, I'm not going to get pulled into your real life adult world like you're in my shop now. You're on my court. These are the rules we're playing by. That's a great point, Zach. Uh, he he brings him back into the world he's left behind. I thought it was interesting, though, that when he has... I don't know exactly what happens, but it's when uh, Charlie kind of storms in. He's upset about his captain's sea getting taken away. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I have, I have hundreds of them. And uh, Charlie's getting ready to leave. And you see Hans kind of gasp for air or something right. like he knows something has happened or is getting ready to happen. Mm-hmm. And then Charlie turns around and he holds his finger up, which is like the sign. Like I'm, I'm kidding. Um, right. That is the sign that we get from um, Han in the first one. And right. you know, he does it. And then you see Charlie, like, I don't have 
I don't have time for this, you know, right. and he's mm-hmm. he's out of there. I think Charlie killed Hans with his callous teenage attitude. He yeah, killed I, beloved Hans, who taught us how to fly. I love it that, that some of the players have never even met him. <laughs> Same. Brandon, great and point. They are, you know, not that it's not sad, but they're bawling at his funeral. Yeah. Uh, Julie the cat is broken up. Uh, she's the first one that Gordon hugs after... Another thing, <laughs> Gordon, you can't be bothered to uh, show up to the funeral on time, but you're going to interrupt the uh, priest and throw that jersey down, which, what you know, nice gesture, but maybe... But he's interrupting the Lord. So maybe show up on nice. time, yes, and figure out what a good time would be to do that. Uh, to your earlier point, though, Brandon, there's no reason for the other um, players to know who the Mighty Ducks are. That was so bizarre to me rewatching D2 the other day where at the right. end they're like, here's our Ducks jerseys. Half those players would be like, what is this from a, a peewee league in Minnesota? Who are the Ducks? I'm playing for the United States. I'm Julie the Cat Gaffney. I left Maine and my team there to come play for the USA. And now you want me to wear a peewee hockey jersey? <laughs> <laughs> How do you guys feel about Bombay actually as a coach? His coaching abilities and then possibly um, how they may contrast with Coach Orion in D3. Zach, you want to get it kicked off? Yes. Mitchell, um, you've seen some of the, the short plays that I've directed, correct? I have. Now, who would you say is a better director? Me or Martin Scorsese? Well, I'm going to have to go with Martin on that one, Zach. Because that's what you just asked. You have Bombay, who has no coaching experience, who is a drunk, who is a monster, whose first um, thought is to get the kids to cheat, versus Orion, who played in the NHL and stayed behind to take care of his daughter. But here's the main thing. In hockey, high scores, they don't matter as much as shutouts. And that's what the Ducks get in the Mighty Ducks D3. And at the end, they get a shutout. So he gets the Ducks to play a perfect game. Brandon, rebuttal. If I'm interviewing, Orion looks better on paper. Sure. After spending a little time with both of them, though, which we have now because we've watched the movies, we see that um, (laughs) Orion's a jerk. I think Charlie, Charlie starts off on the wrong foot for sure in D3. So does Orion. He is goading these players, he's got some insecurities. He's very insecure about taking over Bombay's team, and he wants to do everything he can to break their spirit and break that connection with the Ducks and this team that Bombay has created, build them from the ground up. Um, Bombay, on the other hand, gets more bees with honey, mm. as I like to say. Sure. Um, I think they're. I actually think they're both... They're both fine coaches. They are the coach that the team needs at that time in their life. See, I think I love in D3, at the beginning of that hockey game, you see the 9-9 score. But the first time, it's like, here's how the Ducks used to play. But then I like it the third period. It's like, okay, enough of the fun. You got your knuckle puck again. You got your Fulton slap shot. You got all of that. Whereas then it goes, okay, no. 
here's how hockey really gets played, and you see that the Ducks in the real world are not equipped. Bombay's coaching style can best be summed up by the pep talk he gives Charlie before he takes the penalty shot in the championship game, Mighty Ducks. He says, do your best. It may go in, it may not. What matters is that we're here. Look around. Did you ever think we'd make it this far? That's what those kids needed, right? That Yeah, absolutely. He didn't want to be there. And it took that, we've been talking about this the whole time, it took that transformation to get to the place where he is and able to give that that speech, that pep talk to Charlie. What does Charlie need? Charlie needs encouragement, confidence. Orion is more of a battering ram. Like I said, both work. Both coaching styles work. One works on kids who have nothing and think they're garbage. The other one works on cocky kids who have been to the Olympics. They absolutely needed the battering ram. I I think yeah. Coach Orion was exactly the coach they needed. I'm just saying Bombay is the coach that they needed in the first movie. But I also love that um, in this is also unrelated, but in Mighty Ducks 3, it's not Conway scoring the goal. It's it's Goldberg. Like what a coach! You like that? I do because what a because co- Conway wins every movie, and I think it's a thing he needed to learn how to uh, spread the wealth. And I mean, sure, his triple D didn't work. Conway Wh- wins when? the first one. He, does, does, but he doesn't win the second su- one. Look, if he wasn't like the assistant coach, he's you, not even involved in the second yes, one. He is. He he's sits the, out. Yes, he is because they make him the assistant sits. coach. Where every play he has, all of a sudden is, oh yes, Charlie. Oh, oh, Charlie, how smart! Let's replace Russ Tyler with the goalie. Oh. <laughs> Yes, Charlie. Good, Charlie. When did Charlie become a stud on the Ducks? Yeah, he's Spazway, but by three, he's like talking about well, going pro. Exactly. Even in D two, he's fanning and missing. Um, Do we ever see him play in ex- D two? Extremely inconsequential in the the hockey played in D two, but in D three, he is the stud on that team he's the he's playing center he's scoring all their goals he gets a hat trick in the first game yeah, and apparently first he's half. been the captain the whole time a lot of things we have to swallow there i also feel like charlie doesn't just get to come back on the team yeah you know he shows up on the bus they're leaving for a game can i come back the, the only answer there is no yeah. um absolutely not hey set some time aside let's meet tomorrow in my office and we can talk about this we're headed to a game right now and you're not on the team you left. Mm-hmm. No, you can't just go sit down. That's not how real life works. And you're not going to be playing when you come back. Right. Yeah, there's right. a whole process to right. this. I can think of a couple better captain candidates than Charlie. Adam Banks, the only freshman good enough to be on varsity. Yeah, this Olympic winning team is not good enough to make the varsity at their local prep school. <laughs> well, they're like 14 and varsity is like up to 8. That's a different age range. Which is a good point because we keep hearing... Like, Coach O'Ryan's like, now they know they own you. Hold on. They knew they owned them before they played them. That's how varsity and junior varsity works. The best players are on the varsity. That's how it works. There's no – the whole uh, JV uh, varsity showdown (laughs) eludes me because it's, it's a joke. It would have to be a joke. It couldn't be serious. I've seen that happen at schools, and it's always, like, a very, like, it's cutesy but yeah, sure, it's fun. You don't hire professional referees for it. Um, nope. You don't announce it on the radio. <laughs> you don't get Paul Correa to come for the halftime show. You don't get Paul Correa to come for the halftime show. That's exactly right. Um, this this, this <laughs> is a circus. I do love um, 
I love that that's the most realistic hockey game in the franchise until Dean Portman puts that guy into the stand. Dean Portman is the Drax of the Mighty Ducks <laughs> franchise. All right. I'm going to I'm going to keep hitting Brandon's silly silly choice of Bombay. <clears throat> Julie the Cat left a championship team in Maine and Bombay refuses to play her. Yeah, Tibbles says that she won the state championship for Maine and he's like, "Oh, we have a goalie Goldberg." Oh. You know, the guy from the deli who was afraid of the puck yeah. for the whole first movie. He is a sexist monster. There is no arguing with you about the the goalie choice. There's no arguing about that. <laughs> okay, I'm um, glad you'll concede that. One more thing, and then I'll be done. Bombay fails to teach any of his hockey players even basic hockey skills. They throw a football. Over the course, over the course of two movies, yeah, they throw a football. Mendoza shows up unable to stop yes and he never teaches him how to stop and can i just say ken Wu, as a hockey player useless well yeah. he's a he's a one-trick pony which doesn't yeah. work against the he varsity does the same spin <clears throat> three times in that movie listen if we're gonna teach luis mendoza how to stop could we Maybe choose something that's not going to take an hour to stack back up after each time. <laughs> and unsurprisingly, it doesn't stick. He doesn't know how to stop on the third one. <laughs> Brandon and listening audience, I'd like you to uh, close your eyes for a second and imagine. All eight of you. I'd like to. <laughs> I'd, I'd like for you to close your eyes and <laughs> imagine your favorite coach or your favorite teacher. All right, you're thinking about them. I've All right, can you imagine a scenario where they teach you this chant? Take the fall, act hurt, get indignant. <laughs> well, I was thinking of Mr. Euchre, my English teacher, so no, it'd be an odd thing. We are going to um, refer to Bombay as pre-transformation and post-transformation now. Han is John the Baptist, and he and he is has his conversion moment right there. And <laughs> he can only be held accountable for everything after that. Okay, so the whole second movie then. <laughs> Blast yeah, for the whole, the whole second movie <laughs> where he abandons them, Ugh. so he can go on more escapades with another woman, and make money and eat ice cream. Like, yeah, yeah, that's also, what Iceland and the Hawks thought too. Also, these the children in D two are so unreasonable. Where like they they bring up two good points where truly the ga the cat Gaffney is just like you know co they knew everything about us they were ready for us and it's like that is a very fair criticism Julie and then um you know Luis Benny the Jet Rodriguez goes yeah or you're hanging out with all those sponsor fools and I'm like okay but then Fulton is just like or hanging with the Iceland chick Fulton well that clearly was after he had that. He had that cooking on the stove all yeah. day. Like Fulton, that, he was waiting to unleash he that. Was simmering. Right. Was yeah. eating Fulton, ice cream with the enemy, huh, Coach? That yeah. was after hours. So you've just admitted, hey, while we were breaking curfew, we noticed that uh, you were eating ice cream with the enemy. And also, to quote Mitch in the Miracle episode, Gordon can't get his Mac on with the the assistant coach for the Iceland team. He is prioritizing uh, getting his Mac on though over his children quite a bit in these movies. He's willing to throw caution to the wind 
and ruin Charlie's life by dating one of his children's parents. It's just a, it's a, he's a little bit sketchy when it comes to the romance. Yeah, it didn't take it didn't take Bombay long to forget why they were in Los Angeles or what got him there. He's he's already he's out in Malibu. Hockey is the last thing on his mind. Pitching the Air Bombay to uh Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. How boring is Minnesota? Listen, Minnesota and hockey. Tibbles, is that his name? Mr. Tibbles. Tibbles. Mr. Tibbles. Uh, it, he does make it clear it's a PR thing. The fact that he gets the ducks back, like he, they get like five other random kids, but like Averman. 60% of the team Goldberg. is his hockey team. Also, did you guys notice that uh, Bombay has Charlie go out and get the kids, but he doesn't get the two kids who are mean to him? Listen, I'm also thinking the conversation when uh, Jesse got home. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey, Terry. Uh, uh, Bombay's putting together a team for uh, the Team USA Hockey. He wants me. He doesn't want you. Yeah, I like to think Terry took up painting. I love the skating, the skating montage in the uh, in the second movie D two. They're like, yeah, but we're in L A. How are we gonna do a ice skating scene? Slap some rollerblades on him. <laughs> I I do I do remember thinking when he shows up at the rink after that, who's this bozo with the duck call? <laughs> yeah, Gordon, <laughs> you almost lost the game for everyone like him being late the ducks would have had to forfeit and he shows up and basically says hey guys this thing that i almost ruined for all of us is all i have i'm back even (laughs) though i almost ruined the game for everybody believe me he couldn't have rollerbladed later yeah he couldn't have waited (laughs) three hours to go rollerblading after that best villain in the Mighty Ducks franchise. Well, Riley is not very fun. When I think villain, I think fun, whereas he's emotionally manipulative towards a child and, like, teaches children horrible things, whereas um, Wolf, the dentist Stanson, a delight. Show me that famous triple deke that your daddy taught you. Let's just compare the two. The, The meanest thing Wolf ever did was pop a beach ball. The meanest thing Riley ever did was ruin someone's life by invoking the spirit of their dead father right before a championship game. No wonder he missed mm-hmm. that that big oh um, that big load of baggage that you just piled on top of Gordon before you sent him out to take that shot. Yeah, he's gonna miss. He's gonna miss the shot. Stanson torments Bombay. Riley torments kids. Yes. That's the difference between those two. Yeah, I want you to take Banks out of the game. I want to drop him like a bad habit. What happens in the next scene? Banks has a concussion. Sends McGill on an assassination mission to take out <laughs> to take out Banks. These type of coaches aren't allowed to continue to be a part of uh, Pee Wee organizations. We have Coach Riley. That's his last name in the Mighty Ducks One. The captain of the varsity team. His last name is Riley. So the most evil character from three is the lineage of the most evil character from any of them. Yes. So I almost wonder if there was going to be a scene where uh, Coach Riley showed up at the final game and was just like, that's my son playing hockey. Who was Riley in the third one, remind me? He's the guy with the black hair who does the, uh, well, if it isn't Captain Ducky. Okay, the guy who looks like um, uh, the guy from American Psycho. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, okay. The guy who looks like he's about like 38 years old. This is not going to make the <laughs> podcast, I don't think. Luis Mendoza in Mighty Ducks 3 is like going to prison. When he's climbing under the table and looking at through those girls' skirts. He's... <laughs> He's like going. He's sharing a cell with Harvey Weinstein. Let me tell you. What a what a moment for kids. Oh man, just a strange. I, this is a kids movie. Just a strange it's a moment. It's weird. It's like a remnant because uh, you see that a lot in eighties movies, like Weird Science, Sixteen Candles. It's like, uh, yep. you know, dudes preying on on yep. girls. You don't see that so much in the late nineties. So it's kind of strange. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time. Um, to get Connie and Julie their own locker room now that we're in high school? Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. No, thank you. Monsters. What is the most outlandish thing we see happen during a hockey game? Unquestionably, the moment when... Wait, it's not Goldberg. It's Russ! When Russ Tyler pretends to be Goldberg so he can get his shot, the minute that that helmet came off, they would have blown the whistle and play would have been over. Yeah, you're not allowed to switch jerseys. Yeah, you're not allowed to... Period. Yeah, you also can't take off your helmet during the game. The goalie! Also, where's he changing? Where's he changing his clothes? How did that yeah, happen? that... In the middle of the huddle? Even even in the first one, in the Pee Wee game, there's no way they would have sent Charlie out on the ice without a helmet on. That bothers me. Yeah. He goes out on the ice for the shot with, with no helmet. Yeah. The rules may be different for penalty shots. I have no idea, No, though. you have to no. you gotta wear your helmet. You gotta wear a helmet. When Fulton and Portman throw their helmets off and decide to start hyping up the crowd? Yes. Which which is just like in the middle of play. Yes. And Gordon's all, come on, guys, let's play hockey. <laughs> At that point, though, the ship has sailed. These guys are out of control. <laughs> Dean Portman looking older than everyone is chalked up to him getting his hormones early. So yeah. <laughs> does that mean that when he's a freshman in D3 and he starts stripping in the penalty box and all the adult women start cheering and screaming as this 14-year-old derobes in front of them <laughs> that everyone's like, yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. This is good. We approve of this. Uh. <laughs> How about the cowboy literally taking out a lasso and roping Again, someone? the minute he stepped to the ice, the whistle would be blown. I don't actually want to say that him doing that is the most ridiculous moment. It's the refs putting him in the box for roping. Also, Fulton's entire career revolves around a it revolves around an illegal shot. If you raise your stick, I think it's above your shoulders, and and you strike the puck, and it ends in a goal. That's considered like high sticking or something. I'm pretty sure that his entire career is based on there a lie. <laughs> That's what you were working towards. It took you a while to get there, but I appreciate where it landed. It, it, it really How about did. the knuckle puck? Did you guys try to do that as All a kid? Because I did for hours. Yeah. Hours and hours and hours. Yeah, I remember one time when I did a knuckle puck, it did something like a little weird, and I was like, ooh, I did it. <laughs> it's it's a little like trying to get superpowers as a kid. Like I'd like look at water bottles and try and make them move. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always tried to get that knuckle puck to work. It's clearly based on the knuckle ball, which is real. It's a real pitch in baseball. Yeah. But um, I think what I actually spent more time doing was trying to tilt the puck up on its end with the stick like Russ does in the second one. How about the entire hockey game they play in South Central L.A.? 
where <laughs> there's suddenly... Hey, we're some kids who don't even play ice hockey, but we could teach you to play like the real Team USA. No one plays hockey in California. Yeah. No one. <laughs> but it's getting awfully stereotypical. There are not eight hockey players in the entire state of California, and you can fact check me on that. They annihilate a man's windshield with a puck, and he chalks up to, you kids, alley-oop. That play that um, Charlie develops uh, in the game, base, and it's based off that guy throwing the puck back over the fence, you know, the alley-oop, which is a basketball term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just more, yeah, just more basketball stuff happening. It's all basketball. <laughs> remember the ducks i think because of one man michael eisner the man who put disney on the map uh for those who don't know uh, michael gary eisner i made up his middle name he was the ceo of uh, uh not the ceo uh, he was in charge of disney uh during the golden age of uh, when uh, disney's theme park started to get really popular when uh the renaissance of all the disney movies started happening in the 90s it was eisner he's the he's the man pulling the levers behind the curtain so uh, I think Disney made some obvious, uh, just really, really smart moves. Uh, they spin this off into a TV show. One. Great. There's double, doubling the audience. They approached uh, someone about buying a hockey team and making, you know, naming them the Ducks. Jeez Louise. That is, that is marketing for a movie. Holy moly. Brilliant decision. And they made the coolest jerseys ever. Uh, and just the general tone of these movies. Uh, there's um, stuff out there on the internet that says the original ca- uh, script was a little darker, a little grittier. Uh, you know, more adult romance uh, and stuff like that. Uh, and Disney kind of pushed back and said, no, let's steer this towards, you know, middle America. This is literally, you know, a movie about Minnesotans. So you've got to make a movie that's going to appeal to uh, all of us. So sometimes when you watch Mighty Ducks, you get that sense. It's like, uh, there's a lot of fart jokes. There's a, you know, a lot of uh, Goldberg and kicking the guy in the nuts uh, and, you know, little sound effects. But that appeals to a huge, uh, you know, common denominator. It's a movie that my parents would show me. Uh, So I think Disney is the magic behind the Mighty Ducks. I think we remember the Ducks because a lot of times as children, we were afraid of growing up because in a lot of other sports movies, growing up is portrayed as um, as a sad thing. You know, we have to remember our youth to, you know, make us happy. All these mo- All these sports movies are narrated and, you know, they're referred to as times where happier times, simpler times. Whereas this gave us something to look forward to as children. You know, as I get older, I'm still going to have my friends, still going to have my team, hopefully. And I'm going to meet a lot of new people along the way, but I'm going to keep learning things as I get older. I love that this is a trilogy and that they just kept it at that, that they didn't uh, make 900 of these movies like uh, Air Bud or something like that, that they just kept it at three so that you could... So that they literally are holding up a mirror to you at whatever point you are in life as a child, as 
the first movie comes out when you're a 10 year old who just wants to hear a lot of fart jokes and things like that. When you're a, a 12 year old who's just wants to love his country. And in the 14th film where you're a little angry and you're growing up and you just need someone to say, Hey, it's okay to be upset. It's okay to change, but be a better person. We remember the ducks because we all wanted to be a part of a group of friends like this. We all needed Averman and Goldberg to make us laugh. Peter to give us confidence and Carp to go running in first. So we didn't have to Guy and Connie to have crushes on banks to make us look good. Fulton to stand up for us and Charlie to be our best friend. And we all needed Gordon Bombay to encourage us and make us believe in ourselves, which is the true Minnesota miracle. Taking a group of kids who had nothing and making them believe they could do anything. Thank you so much for joining us as we talked about the Mighty Ducks and all the reasons we love them. If you've got a minute, why don't you head over to our Facebook page? Give us a like. That would be awesome. So do it. We can be found at the Is It Really podcast. Give us your opinions, please. We want to know how you feel. Tell us about what you think, any weird movie opinions you've got. Do that. Also, don't forget, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're feeling good, give us a rating and review. We would love that. See you next time.